this league is not, there's not going to be any easy ones. And I think we've seen that already with the other games in the league for the most part. And uh, we'll just take care of business and move on to next. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. up to go on Thursday. We got the NBA Lounge. Mike Clemens joins us. I, I just, I feel out of it today. I barely slept last night. I couldn't fall asleep. I was so amped up about the Brewers bringing in Wade Miley. I, how am I supposed to sleep after seeing that news? You kidding me? I, I felt like a kid on Christmas. I couldn't wait to get up and just think about Wade Miley more and read about the Wade Miley's. <laughs> Wade Miley's back! Man! Ever since 6 o'clock last night, all I've wanted to do is just crack this mic and talk about Wade Miley. We're not going to talk Wade Miley tonight. Maybe tomorrow we can carve out some time to talk Brewers. I want to talk Packers tonight. We're going to do the NBA Lounge, of course. And I, I need someone to explain to me why it's taken 10 votes to name a new House Speaker. Do you, do you even want to be the House Speaker? I feel like the House Speaker is like the spokesman for the group. And there's nothing worse than being a spokesman for a bunch of terrible people. No one wants to be the spokesman. It's like when you're in college and you're having a really loud house party and the cops come to the door and somebody's got to speak for the group. There's a spokesman, right? Everyone, quiet down, quiet down. Cops here, I'll talk to the cops. Don't say anything, okay? That was always me. I'm a very good spokesman for the group, but it's a burden. It's no easy task. Why why do they want to be Speaker of the House? We're 10 votes in. We still don't have anyone, which Bloomberg is telling me as I look on Twitter right now. That's the most since pre-Civil War. Well, back before the Civil War, we were very picky and choosy about selecting our House speakers. That's probably why. We're like comparing eras. Well, back in that day, I mean, not anyone could just get elected Speaker of the House like today. It's like the 90s in the NBA. You, You go at the rim at the 90s. You were getting hammered. You couldn't just go at the rim in 1994. Are you kidding me? All right, that's talking politics. That's talking House Speaker election. That's talking Kevin McCarthy. Isn't that the guy's name? I've been watching from afar. I'm mostly just laughing at the amount of times they're going to try to do this before they can actually get it done. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an outstanding, outstanding day. Mike Clemens, I believe, is going to be here at 530 because the last time we talked to Mike was on Tuesday. And I said, Mike, are we good to chat on 430? And he said, well... Keep that spot for me, but maybe we'll do Friday at 530. And I haven't heard from Mike, so we'll see. But I'm 90% sure we'll get Mike at 530. Looking forward to that as we get ready for Packers-Lions. I guess there was an injured practice squad player today that was taken out by ambulance, which I read and I was looking at Rob Domofsky's tweets just a couple minutes ago. I guess the ambulance came because that was easier than carting him off. I guess, carting him out of the center and into it. It was just easier for the ambulance. So it it didn't seem like it was anything crazy dangerous. It was a, a, a severe injury, but it was one that I, I guess it was easier for them to bring the ambulance. I don't know. We'll get the latest from Mike Clemens. What's going on with the Packers and look forward to the Detroit game. Mike will be here at 530. I want to look back at a different Packers season, 2016. That's coming up at 430. And of course, I want to start with the NBA Lounge. Your texts and calls are... Welcome. Encouraged. 608-796-2558. And I am on Twitter 
at Wisco Grant. Let's start with the NBA Lounge, as we do every Thursday during basketball season. The Bucks almost did it again last night. It's going to pop a gasket. They were up 90-69 to 69 with 3 minutes and 50 seconds left. They're up 21 points. 3.50 left. And the game went to overtime and came down to the final shot. The Bucks were up 11 with less than three minutes to play last Wednesday, and they blew that one in Chicago, which completely ruined last week's NBA lounge. It was hijacked and all thrown out of way. It was terrible. All because of a Bucks meltdown, a needless Bucks meltdown. Not the case today, luckily. The Bucks were able to come away with a win. They were able to hang on in overtime and honestly give us a couple of interesting talking points, so I'm not that upset. Giannis has a 30-20-10 game, as Zach Heilprin poignantly told us in his update. 30 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Before we dial in on the Bucks and on Giannis, and I have one specific thing I want to say on the Bucks tonight, but before we do that, I want to zoom out, and I want to consider what's happening league-wide. If you haven't been watching a lot of NBA basketball, or maybe you haven't been following, that's fine. That's totally fine. I don't know if you've heard or not. Maybe you've been watching, maybe you haven't, but guys are scoring at an insane clip these days. I compiled some stats to really put this into perspective. We have 14 50-point games so far this NBA season. It's January 5th. (laughs) And really, it was as of January 4th yesterday because nobody scored 50 last night. We have a 50-point game from Giannis, Steph Curry, Luka, who's done it three times. A 50-point game from each of Darius Garland and his teammate Donovan Mitchell. 50-point game from Pascal Siakam. Two 50-point games from Devin Booker. Two 50-point games from Joel Embiid. A 50-point game from Klay Thompson and from Anthony Davis. And I compiled this list yesterday. So before the show started, I'm like, nobody scored 50 last night, right? It's not 15. We're, We're still hanging at 14 so far on the year. So the total stands at 14. Nobody scored 50 last night. But listen to these scoring totals. Bucks Raptors, Giannis led the way. Oh, yeah, 30, 20, and 10 game. Grizzlies Hornets was fairly low scoring, but like Suns Cavaliers, Chris Paul, who's ancient, scored 25. Shea Gilgis Alexander went for 33. James Harden went for 26. Keldon Johnson had 26. Jalen Brunson casually scored 38 last night. No big deal. Nobody's talking about that. Kevin Durant scored 44 in a loss. Nice. (laughs) Anthony Edwards scored 32. The Timberwolves won. Hey, look at that. You don't see that every day. CJ McCollum scored 28 for the Pelicans. Boyan Bogdanovich scored 29. Klay Thompson had 30. Warriors lost. That's funny. Bam Adebayo had 30. Dennis Schroeder, for God's sake, had 32. Everyone's scoring at an unbelievable clip. In the last week alone, we have these games. Luka, 61, 20, and 10. LeBron, on his birthday, his 38th birthday, went for 47, 10, and 9. Monday night of this week, Clay scored 54. Tuesday night, Giannis scored 55. Last night, as I said, Durant dropped 44, and everyone's like, oh, 44, not enough. <laughs> That's not enough. 88 players have scored at least 40 this season. In 88 instances, I should say, have players scored 40. And everyone this week, the big topic in the NBA world is, why, why is this happening? What's with this outburst of scoring? I mean, where, where did this come from? Well, there's lots of reasons why. Some of it is luck. Like, guys are just all on a heater at the same time. I think the three-point shot is obviously a huge factor. Three points, uh, even if you're not a basketball fan, breaking news. Three points, more than two. So, three-point shots help. 
if you look at guys like Luca and Tatum, Jason Tatum on the Celtics, who are scoring a lot, over half of their shot attempts are three-point shots. That's going to make a big difference. Over half of Steph Curry's are three-point shots when he was playing. So you have to factor in the three-point shot. Specific to this season, pull-up threes are more common than ever before. 19 players are attempting more than four pull-up threes a game. I found that at Stat Center last night. That's compared to like four or five guys in previous seasons. So guys are jacking up threes. Guys are jacking a lot of pull-up threes, so additional threes. I think another reason outside of the three-point shot, I probably don't need to tell you this, the league is really talented. We have a lot of really good basketball players right now. The three best players in the league are international players, which I just think is really cool. Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Giannis. The league has more talent than ever before, but I think, more importantly, the league is more skilled than ever before. For example, the other night, Giannis is 6'11". He's going at Kristaps Porzingis at the top of the key, who's 7'3". Those guys are trading buckets back and forth. They're seven feet apiece, and neither one of them are centers. That's Imagine telling that to someone in 1985 or 1990, right? The skill floor is so much higher than it used to be. The expectation of being able to dribble and pass and shoot and do all these different things. This expectation was so much lower, especially for bigs back in the day. If you want to play in the NBA now, it's not enough to just be big. You can't just have good footwork. You got to be able to shoot at least a little bit. You got to be able to pass. Got to be able to dribble and facilitate and run the offense. The skill floor is so much higher. And another possible reason that the scoring has been so high, and this is a Grant Bills NBA Lounge original take. I've not heard anyone else say this. I don't know if it's true. This is just my eye test gut feeling. So many guys are missing time, right? This year, especially. We do this every couple of years. We're like, this is out of control. Load management and, and injury management, blah, 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 right? Every couple of years, we get really upset about this. And this so far has been one of those years. You see, Drew Holiday's not playing. Chris Middleton's not playing. Everybody's resting, 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 resting. So many guys are missing time. And there's so much scoring punch that's confined to the bench in any given game. And that forces the guys who are playing to do even more, right? That makes sense. The bucket's got to come from somewhere. So we're seeing this with Giannis. Giannis is the perfect example. Giannis probably isn't scoring 40 a night, which he is right now, if Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are playing. He's not needing to score 40. You know, if you look at the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram's missed time. So Zion's kind of playing loose and fast. Anthony Edwards in Minnesota has been scoring. He's been scoring more because Carl Anthony Towns has been playing. There's more touches for Ant. There's more space to run around. Kyrie Irving missed a lot of time or missed some time for the Nets. Kevin Durant had to pick up the slack, right? In all of these settings where the best player or the second best player is hurt, it's then up to the guy who's still playing. It's up to the guy who's healthy to do even more. And part of me thinks that some of these players relish that. Some of these players probably love it. It's like, wait, the other guy isn't out here tonight? I can take more shots? I can make this about me even more? I can be wetter and wilder with the shots I take? Oh, I can pull up from 35 feet? Shout out Trey Young. Ugh, hell yeah, I love this. So I think that's a reason for the scoring explosion. That's that's an original Grant Bills NBA Lounge take. I don't know if there's any scientific or 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 anything based in evidence to back that up. It's just an eye test thing, and it makes sense. It's a common sense take, right? If the second best player is hurt, then the first best player is going to score even more. And let's talk about that with Giannis because that's absolutely what's happening to the Bucks. Without Drew, without Chris, he's doing everything. 
because he has to. <laughs> like, if they wanted to beat the Wizards the other night, Giannis had to at least score 45. He scored 55, and the Bucks still didn't really run away with that game. It was closer than you probably would have liked for a 55-point game, which is what Justin Garcia told us the other day. Giannis's usage rate is madness. He's shooting or going to the line almost once per minute. Right, so think of that as a scoring chance. That's the that's the stat. Scoring chances per 36, meaning how often is a shot going up or how often is the player at the free throw line? Giannis is either shooting or going to the free throw line once per minute. His scoring chances per 36 is almost, you know, 36. <laughs> that rate is higher than Embiid and John Morant and Luka. It's higher than those guys by a lot. It's not even really all that close. Giannis is cooking. He's doing it all himself. Because he has to. And as I said yesterday, it's been really fun to watch. And it's a great reminder of what Giannis is capable of when he really tries to step up and dominate. Like, if I, I want to know what Giannis would look like if he was trying to score 50 every single night. That's basically what we've been watching for the last week. He's a one-man band, right? But as I said yesterday, one-man bands don't play stadium tours. They play in coffee shops, Right? This team needs balance. It needs offense from other guys. Giannis needs relief. Giannis needs rest. Giannis needs to be able to balance his game between offense and defense because he does so much for this team on both ends of the floor. And without Drew Holiday, Giannis has to do more, not only on offense, playing a lot of point guard, but more on defense because Drew handles so much defensive responsibility. And when Chris Middleton's not playing, well, that's one less defensive wing that they have. They don't really have a lot of guys who can guard the wing. They have guys who can lock down ones and twos. Threes gets a little more hairy, and Chris is that guy. Well, right now, Giannis is that guy, and Giannis also has to score, and Giannis has to score in the clutch, which is a little bit of a red flag the last two weeks. When I say Giannis can't do it all himself, two examples. Go look at crunch time against the Bulls last week when it got tight and the Bucks lost, and look at last night at the end of regulation. Giannis is trying to initiate the possession and take it 1v1 or 1v2 or 1v3. It was 1v5 at the end of overtime last night. Giannis needs a point guard to get him the ball. Giannis needs a Chris Middleton to screen for or to have a screen set for him. Giannis is brilliant. He's like Shaq and then he can put up 50 points and dominate. But when things get tight, even when he's hitting his free throws, we saw at the end of the Bulls game last week and at the end of last night's game, he needs a wingman out there. And right now he doesn't have it. He's a one-man band, and one-man bands are great, but one-man bands don't win titles. One-man bands don't play world stadium tours. One-man bands play in coffee shops. And I have a little higher aspirations for this Bucks team than just playing in coffee shops. Trying to get back to a title here. Let's take a three-minute break. I want to bring Rodgers into this Giannis conversation because I think there's an incredible uh, similarity. There's There's an incredible shared value in Giannis and in Aaron Rodgers, and I want to talk about that next. Then we'll get into the Packers. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show welcome back my name is grant bills we're just wrapping up with the nba lounge which is the swankiest sexiest most popular segment in all of sports radio a couple
couple of texts. Robin Stoddard says, Name a way life could be any better than listening to sports radio and playing MLB The Show. You know, Rob, I have a free night tonight. I could truly do nothing tonight if I wanted. Bucks don't play. There's no Thursday night football. I really want to go home and play League of Legends. But, but, part of me thinks that I should use my time productively tonight to get ready for tomorrow's show. Because I think I'm going to go do my show tomorrow in Madison. Uh, And that studio is a little unfamiliar to me. Right? So I I should be extra prepared. But I I don't know. I think I might just play video games tonight. I think I'm with you, Rob. Jason, Lower Tainer Lake. Says, beginning of the year, the Bucks offense is so beautiful. Ball movement, guys cutting to the basket, team effort to get offensive boards. Last 10 games, it's back to four guys standing at the three-point line, all watching Giannis trying to go through everyone. It's not good basketball for the Bucks specifically because no one on this team is great or even a good three-point shooter. Yeah, there's not a guy on this roster, except Pat got it going a little bit last night. There's not a guy on this roster who I'm confident in to hit three-point shots in a big game, especially Grayson Allen. And I know he hit the go-ahead three last night, but Grayson Allen was lost in overtime last night. He almost began overtime by throwing the ball away at the top of the key. He looks starry-eyed. He looks depressed. He looks sad. I, I don't know. I've done such a turn on that guy in the last eight or nine days. You can't you can't have him out there in big spots. And I know he hit the shot last night, but Jesus, if you shoot 15 threes every single night, you're going to make two or three of them. And I guess last night he made one at a good time. Vagabond John says, this is why Jokic was a fake MVP. Put up crazy numbers because he's the only one playing. Interesting. I just, I really like Jokic. I think he's a unique player. I think he's a really good player. But at some point, we need to start to hold Jokic and the Nuggets to the standard we hold the Celtics to and the Bucks, and the Sixers and teams in the West like the Warriors, right? There's a honeymoon period whenever a player comes of age. Like think of a, a debutante type situation. Uh, uh, um uh, a bar mitzvah, coming of age. Oh, here we are. Look at this. Look, look at this Jokic. Oh my God, what a star that is that is blossomed before our very eyes. What an incredible player we have out in Denver. And then you get a year or two where we just enjoy the game. It's, oh my God, the passing, the shooting. The, the the the. I don't know. We need to start to come around on Jokic. Be like, okay, this is great, but where is this going? Right? Because I'm not really content with Jokic. Just getting the sixth seed every year, putting up gaudy numbers, advanced statistics, and crowning him the MVP. Because that's not the standard we hold other elite players to. I understand his team is not as good as Milwaukee's team, but I mean, does Milwaukee's roster look all that great right now? As Jason said, no one can shoot threes. Thank you, Vagabond John. And Vagabond John, get yourself uh, to Monks tonight in Sun Prairie. Get, get, get yourself down there. and Go have a beer on me. I'll Venmo you a couple of bucks. Go down there. You deserve it after a long work week and a long week of putting in great calls on this show. Go see Ben and Zach tonight and have a beer at Monk's and enjoy some Kenny and Heilprin. Kelly and Barnabelle says Giannis is to the NBA what Rafael Nadal is to professional tennis. Kelly, that is a fantastic comparison. I know nothing about tennis and I don't know what you mean by that comparison, but I'm assuming it's a great one. So thank you for the text. 608-796-2558, Twitter at Wisco Grant. Last night, I was watching a little bit of the the Bucks game at the health club. I'm going to stop calling my YMCA the gym, and I'm going to call it the health club because that makes it sound really swanky. Like, say, oh, I got to go to the health club tonight. Where does Grant work out? Wow. Going to the health club. I don't know. I just, I, I'm going to start switching the language around on that. I was at the health club last night. I was watching a little bit of the Bucks, And then I was in the sauna before I left. My health club has a very nice sauna. 
and I was I was watching clips of First Things First, which has become one of my favorite shows on TV. I used to watch it begrudgingly because I love Nick Wright, and that was my outlet to get Nick Wright, to get some of his takes and to get his content. And then I had Chris Carter at one point, who I didn't love, and then it was him and Broussard. Who, Broussard's fine, but now they really got the show dialed in. Kevin Wilds is excellent, and I'm really starting to like Broussard and not just kind of accept him as, as the guy in the third chair. So I was watching some clips from the show yesterday. Outstanding show. And Nick Wright made a great point about Giannis. And it's one that I want to steal for this show. It's a point that he made on Colin Cowherd's podcast today, which I listened to about 20 minutes before the show started. Nick's talking about Giannis and Luca, And Nick basically said that Giannis and Luca are the number one and the number two most valuable and best players in basketball because they are the two players in the NBA who can keep their teams afloat and, and keep their teams excelling without their second best player or their third best player or when three-point shots aren't going in by members of the supporting cast, right? Chris Middleton has not played this season. For all intents and purposes, Chris Middleton has not played this year. He's appeared in seven games. It was a corpse of, of a stale, rusty Chris Middleton, and he never got off the ground before hurting his knee. Chris Middleton has not played this year for the sake of legitimate sports conversation. Drew non-COVID illness holiday has missed a ton of games and hasn't exactly been Mr. Available. And the Bucks are one game out of first place. And they're currently one game out of first place following a road trip that sent them to Boston, to Brooklyn, to Cleveland, to New Orleans, which is a live team when Zion was actually playing. He's going to be out a couple weeks with a hamstring. But they come off of this road trip, including a game in Toronto last night where Giannis is the only one who played. They're one game out of first with no Chris Middleton, missing Drew Holiday in a lot of games, but it didn't matter because Giannis is that man. He's that boy, right? Jokic can't do that. Jokic can keep his team afloat to a degree. He can get a team to the playoffs. We saw that last year. He can't advance. He can't go past that, that bottom tier. He can keep a team on the bottom tier. Steph couldn't do it. Steph played a couple of years ago without Klay Thompson. That was a train wreck. They missed the playoffs. LeBron can't do it this year, but he's in year 20, so that's understandable. I don't even think Durant can do it. If Kyrie went down, I don't think he can do it. If there's a little drama around the team, I don't think he can do it. Giannis and Luka are truly the two guys in basketball that are almost completely independent of their supporting cast, of their coach. I don't think Jason Kidd is a good coach, although he's had his good moments in Dallas. I don't think Bud is a great coach. I think he's a fine coach. I don't think the supporting cast right now of the Bucks is any good without Middleton and without Holiday. And Giannis has his team one game out of the number one seed. And Luka, likewise, in the Western Conference, who's Luka Doncic's second best player? Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me. Who is it? Is it Christian Wood? I really like Tim Hardaway Jr., but Tim Hardaway Jr. is much more of Karis LeVert than he is of Klay Thompson. Like, I, I, Luka's supporting cast is nothing special. And if threes aren't going in, his supporting cast might as well be, you know, five tackling dummies out there. And yet Luka keeps his team afloat. Giannis keeps his team afloat and excelling. And this has always been the case with Aaron Rodgers, too. Aaron Rodgers is a walking floor. Meaning if you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, you are guaranteed eight or nine wins. If Rodgers stays healthy, you're guaranteed eight or nine wins. If you have a halfway decent defense, you're winning double-digit games. And if you give them one or two worthwhile wide receivers, 
then you're going to win the division and you're going to compete for upper seating in the NFC and you're probably going to host a playoff game, obviously, if you're winning the division. I, I just think there's a lot of parallels between Giannis and between Aaron Rodgers. And, and don't tell me that other great quarterbacks in the NFL also establish a hard floor for their team. Breeze didn't. Breeze allowed the Saints to go 9-7 and seven three years in a row when he was at the helm. Giannis would never do that. Rodgers wouldn't do that. Rodgers would maybe do it once. 2018, when it came to a head with a, a head coach that had to go and a defense that was spent in an offense that was old and there wasn't much talent on there. Oh, okay, so we'll get a 6-8-1 and one year. But then guess what? The next year, first year head coach, 13 wins. The year after that, 13 wins. Another 13 wins. And this year, it looks like he's going to take his team to the playoffs again. Knock on wood, but I think they'll beat the Lions, as I've said many times. And in the NBA, again, don't tell me that all great players can do what Giannis is doing right now. I don't think Durant can. I certainly don't think he can do it for a whole year. I think Giannis could keep this up for a whole year and get the Bucks to a top three seed without Drew Holiday, without Chris Middleton. Maybe that's a little steep, maybe. But if there's one guy in basketball who can do it, it's Giannis. Other guys can't do that. Other guys don't do that. And it's the same in the NFL. I, I don't think that about Brady, at least not anymore. I'm a little jaded on Brady. I need to reorganize my thoughts on Brady and his legacy because I've, I've heel turned a couple of times over the last year or two. But Drew Brees couldn't do it. Russell Wilson couldn't do it. Team missed the playoffs in Seattle. He gets to Denver. He doesn't know which way is up or down, right? There are certain players, and we are lucky to have a couple of them in the state of Wisconsin that guarantee you a competent and competitive team. In, in Giannis's case, and it's a little bit easier to do it in basketball because there's only 10 guys on the field rather than 22, Giannis is going to guarantee that your team is going to be a great seed, not just a, a viable, worthwhile team that's in the mix for the playoffs. Giannis and Rodgers, both, they both guarantee you a certain number of wins, and we're pretty lucky to have both of those guys. Robin Stoddard, who's a resident Bears fan, says, uh, and yeah, with Aaron Rodgers, you're guaranteed to also own the Bears. Yeah, uh, that too. I was... I was fighting with somebody I've never met and I had never seen tweets before on Twitter today because he was trying to make this case about why the Chicago Bulls are really good against the Celtics and the Bucks. They're six and one versus Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Boston. He's tweeting about how Pat Williams is is that man and he can defend Giannis. I'm like, buddy, Giannis scored forty five last Wednesday. Like Giannis owns the Bulls. Don't tell me Pat well, Patrick Williams can defend him well. Okay. Okay, I found his Twitter. It's Matt Issa, Matt Issa of SB Nation. Forbes. Okay, maybe Andrew Wagner knows him. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grail. Let's take a five-minute break. Come back and talk Packers next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Bills, some great news from Eric Name. Just tweeted this 60 seconds ago regarding the Bucks game tomorrow night against the Hornets. Chris Middleton is probable with right knee soreness. I'm kidding. Yeah. And, and, the, and the house just elected a speaker. Yeah. All these things are happening. No, he's out. Giannis is probable, though, as is Marjan Beauchamp, George Hill, and Drew Holiday, who both have non COVID illnesses. Do we just say they're sick? The, 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 this bothers me. I don't know why. 
I just occasionally I just get really hung up on things that don't matter. Non-COVID illness just shouldn't be in our our zeitgeist, in our lexicon. It's like uh, uh, buyout buyout guys. Like we never used to talk about buyout guys. Now it's everywhere. I just don't like seeing non-COVID illness. I remember back in the day, I'd never miss work, COVID or not. Illness couldn't keep me away from this microphone, mostly because I sit in here by myself. What difference does it make? My name is my name is Grant Pills on Twitter at Wisco Grant, and you can text and call the show if you'd like six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Wade Miley is back, so naturally we're going to spend the whole show on that. No, I want to talk about the Packers and what comes next. I was talking to a friend of show Perry Goldstein earlier today. You got to get her back on for the playoffs. We were talking about the Vikings game and uh, just how fun it was. It was just a blast. I believe cathartic was the word she used. It's really fun to blow out a team and have a game at Lambeau Field turn into a party. You used to see that all the time. It's very rare these days. It's even more fun to do it to do a divisional rival, especially the Vikings, because screw the Vikings. I don't get anything out of blowing out the Bears anymore. It's just routine. Uh, The Lions, I, I don't really have any qualms toward the Lions. I do have qualms, many qualms. I'm quite qualmed against the Minnesota Vikings. It was fun to win that game the way that we did. Defense has been flying around. We got a return touchdown. I mean, come on, come on, come on. A return touchdown? This has been a blast. And last night and this morning, I was starting to think a lot about the ceiling of this team. You know, the Lions are beatable on Sunday Night Football. And then if the Packers were to make it into the playoffs... You know, what's their outlook? What's their ceiling? How far could this team realistically go? And I talked about this on our friend Bart Winkler's podcast earlier this week, alongside Paul Emig, better call Paul. The 49ers are starting Brock Purdy. And I understand the 49ers are really great, independent of their quarterback. That just has to matter. Everything I've been told about football tells me that Brock Purdy at quarterback at some point has to matter. Maybe not, but we're talking about truly unprecedented stuff if Brock Purdy leads the 49ers through the NFC into a Super Bowl. We'll see. But Brock Purdy still gives me cause for pause. Nice, that rhymed. Eagles vibes are low. They're dealing with injuries. Team is beat up, including their quarterback, who is the heart and soul of their team. I think you could have the Eagles right now. And I think Ben Kenny, Philadelphia Eagles fan, would agree. Aaron Rodgers always has a chance in Dallas. Anytime the Packers go to Jerry World, I just like their chances to win, no matter the circumstances. That's... Uh, played out pretty accurately over the last 10 years. The Packers already blew out the Vikings once. I understand it was at Lambeau, but they're playing with confidence right now. The Vikings offensive line is in shambles. The Packers could go up there and win. I guess I'm I'm just not scared by Tampa. Maybe I should be. I'm well aware that Tampa Bay and Tom Brady could knock out anyone in this postseason picture in the NFC, but I'm not scared of them. Again, maybe I should be, but the Packers can beat that team. They've already done it once this year. I guess the Giants are in the playoffs, too. Watch the Giants win some weird games or do something weird in the playoffs. I forget they're even in there. But good for Daniel Jones. Don't let Daniel Jones get hot. I started thinking about the ceiling of this team and how far they could realistically go. When I was talking with Perry earlier today, she asked me, she's like, this team's going to go on a run and lose brutally in the NFC Championship game again, aren't they? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't think there's a team in the NFC that's insurmountable. I don't think there is a team in this conference that the Packers couldn't beat. They're not going to be favored. They're not going to be at home. 
but I give the Packers a chance in any potential matchup against any of these teams. And I don't feel that way every year. Like in 2016 with the Falcons, it's like, oh man, this team's a wagon. 2019 with the Niners, they blew us out like a month before. I'm like, oh, this ain't gonna go well. This year, I feel a little different. I don't know. You could make the argument against every one of these NFC teams. Why not the Packers? I don't think there's a team, I don't think there's an opponent in the NFC that's insurmountable. The Packers have been in the playoff mode for a month. They've been, they've been playing playoff football for a month. And I think if they beat Detroit and they can win in round one, if the Packers go on the road in round one, which they'll have to, and win, I kind of feel like they might go to the Super Bowl. Is that nuts? Am I hammered? Tell me I'm, tell me I'm taking crazy pills. If the Packers are able to beat Detroit, which they should, and I think they will, and they go pick off the Niners or the Eagles or the Cowboys in round one, why not this team? Why not? You tell me the Packers went on and they upset the Niners in round one. Oh, boy. Okay, this Packers team might be legit. Right? I'm not the only one who feels that way. Mike is in Chippewa Falls, 608-796-2558. What's up, Mike? Hey, Grant. How are you doing? I'm doing outstanding because I'm convincing myself that this Packers team is somehow going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're always doing outstanding, so... Um, I enjoyed you last night on the enjoyed you last night in the huddle. Oh hell yeah! Um, did you read any of the comments on the you know people post on the live stream? Ah uh, no, you got off. No, did they? Oh. Were they disagreeing with what I said? Were they personally against um, me? I can pull them up. Now I'm gonna pull them up. Yeah, I got up. I got a bit upset. Some guy named Gary said that Grant Bills's callers are the dumbest, something like that. Whoa. Dumbest callers. And then I said, and then he said a, a lot, but a, a bit of that is rubbed off on Grant. Well, well, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, told, you, you can come at me. You can't come at my call. Come at me. I'm a man. I'm 40. You can't come at my, my callers. <laughs> you leave them alone. That's, that's this situation. Yeah. I feel like Mike Gundy here. Wait, I'm going to find this comment. Yeah, but then he said some of it's rubbed off on Grant. And I, and I posted back in reply. I said, uh, Grant Bills is a brilliant radio show host. Wow. His analogies, his analogies are epic. Bite my ass, Mike from Chippewa Falls. So. <laughs> I need to find this. Oh my god, I'm sticking up for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, Mike. We're fighting a war on a couple different fronts here. We got to fight off occasionally the morning show, and now the the Bill Michaels huddle crowd. What, what problem do they have with this show? I wonder who. I know. Maybe it's Dave from Monona. Maybe. No, it was uh, some guy named Gary. Maybe it was Gary West. But yeah, he. he I big giant douche nozzle. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? You think this Packers team can go to the Super Bowl? I, I'm at the point really briefly, and I know you're just listening. If they go in and they get a huge win in round one, and they knock off one of these Titans at the top of the NFC, why not? Yeah, Bill Michaels always says get get hot, get mm-hmm. lucky, mm-hmm. get healthy. Mm-hmm. So you know anything can happen. That's why we have playoffs. It's any given Sunday, I believe, is is what they say about the yeah, NFL. Right. Yeah, yeah. Any given Sunday. I, I don't know. I, I could see this team getting blown out in, in the first round of the playoffs, or I could see them going to the Super Bowl, which I, I guess maybe it's why I'm really enjoying the Packers at this moment, Mike, because I, I feel like the expectations have always been crushing the last couple of years. If you come up short of the Super Bowl, it's a failure. If you lose in the NFC title game, it's a failure. Everything's a failure. Right now, it just kind of feels like anything could go, and I'm just excited to see where it does go. Yeah, well, I posted once before, and you you responded to it out of that uh, or text. I mean, um, 
I've been watching the Packers since 1968 when we got cable. And um, I have been through hell. And anything, I would have just prayed for a winning season. And, you know, some people said the Packers fans are a bit spoiled. Yeah, a little bit. Because I'm pretty, I'm kind of happy when they have a winning season. But, you know, they've got the Hall of Fame quarterback and they got, you know, on paper, one of the best defenses of football. They sh- they can go all the way. Why not? Rodgers hasn't even played that well yet. And that's that's I have some stats I want to talk about this next. And Rodgers talked about it yesterday in his media availability, where he's like, Yeah, in twenty sixteen when we ran the table, I, I like I had to go nuts. I had to be Superman. He doesn't have to be Superman right now. He hasn't had to be Superman for this team to get back into the playoff race. However, I think if they want to make noise in the playoffs, Rodgers is gonna to have to step up a level and why couldn't he? I don't know. You are correct, sir. So right. Yeah. I found Gary's well, comment, by the way. Screw Gary. What's Did Gary you? got against this show? Yeah. What a dink. I know. Dink. That's, That's just, just terrible. Bother me. Sorry. That's a disgusting <laughs> act. Bill, See, Bill deals with this every day. I don't have live comments during my show. You yeah. got to call in. Call, Bill, be a man. Call into the show, Gary. Be a man. Yeah. That's what Bill would tell him. Go, uh, <laughs> go up a little bit and you'll find my response. Oh, I appreciate that, Mike. I got to take a break. We're going to talk okay. more about Rogers. It's Glad nice to hear from you. Got your back, young man. Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mike. That's Mike at Chippewa Falls, 608-796-2558. Yeah, now I'm just reading comments on the Bud Light live stream. Bud Light, crisp and refreshing, sponsoring the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network and the Bill Michaels Huddle for years and years and years. Great folks over there. Just give them a call. That's my best Bill. I don't have a good Bill. I don't have a good Bill. I don't have a good Ebo. I, w- I want to get like a really good Zach Heilprin, but I got to commit myself to that. It's the last thing Zach wants. Speaking of uh, Heilprin, Kenny and Heilprin coming up in 12 minutes. They'll be broadcasting live from Monks in Sun Prairie. So the zone, WOZN, is going to kick us off for the second hour of the show. But that's okay, because if you want to keep listening, you can. I'll tweet out a link at Wisco Grant. Uh, and Ben, if you want to listen to Kenny and Heilprin, he'll tweet out a link. You can always, we're a very link-savvy network. We're a very streaming-savvy network. Uh, and we have to be, because we have so much fine programming and so many great hosts who are just broadcasting up a storm all the time. I'm talking out of my butt. Let's take one more call before we go to break. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Uh, Joel Wesby. Joel, what's going on? Well, listen to the program. I don't know what you're drinking, but I'll have some. Um, Seriously. (laughs) I think anybody from from the NFC, I think, can make it. I think the AFC, whoever's going for the AFC, it might be a juggernaut when they get there. I just, for the first time in a couple of years, and I think Mike and I really had a breakthrough, Joel. I think for the first time in a couple of years, I have no expectations for this Packers team. I can see them going on a run. I can see them losing. I have no clue how this is going to go, and I'm excited to watch it play out, which is the last couple of years, it's just been dread going into the playoffs because you're like, oh, man, if they lose again, if they come up short again, I I don't feel that way this year. It's very freeing. Yeah. The the last few years, we great record. We get to the playoffs, one and done. Yeah. This year... No hopes, but now there is, and it's a lot more exciting. God, I hope that's the case. Well, Joel, I appreciate it, and if the Packers do go on a run, we're going to have to talk, and we're going to have to drink some more of this Kool-Aid. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Grant. (laughs) Yeah, have a good one. Joel in Westby, part of the Eric on I-90 clan uh, from the district, as Eric would say. I wonder if we'll hear from Eric at some point today. Yeah, Zach tweeted in at Wisco Grant, come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Coward commenter on Bill's Bud Light livestream. You want to come after the show, you come after me. You don't come after the callers. 
that young man did nothing wrong. It's funny because the, co- the callers are older than me. It's the reverse dynamic of what happened with Mike Gundy. Come after me. I'm a man. I can take it. But, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're anti-caller on this show, then I actually I'm younger. I'm young. I can take it. I can take slander online. Let's take a three-minute break. Wisco Sports Show will talk more Aaron Rodgers, and I want to compare what he's doing this year to when they ran the table a couple of years ago in 2016. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Packers, and we will continue to do so basically until 6 o'clock. Mike Clements is going to be here at 5.30. If you're listening on The Zone in Madison, Kenny and Heilprin are going to kick us off here in a few minutes, and that's fine because Kenny and Heilprin is an outstanding show. And if you're in that neck of the woods, if you're down towards Sun Prairie, stop by. Go have a beer at Monks. Go say hi. Zach is very friendly, not to me, but to everyone else. He'd love to, he'd love to talk badgers with you. But we're talking Packers basically the rest of the way through tonight. 608-796-2558 if you want to call or text the show. Twitter at Wisco Grant. The similarities between this year, the Packers were running the table to make the playoffs, versus 2016 when they ran the table to make the playoffs. It's a really interesting comparison. And I want to go back. I want to rewind to two weeks ago when I believe the Packers had just beaten the Rams. I want to rewind and and correct and kind of revise some of the things that I said. I believe a couple of weeks ago I said, this defense reminds me of 2016. Total fire drill. No clue what's going on in coverage. No pass rush. I want to believe in this team. And if they get hot, I think this team could win games. But the defense is so poor like in 2016. Well, Allow me to change my mind. And that's not just because they've turned the ball over, but because they've made actual tangible adjustments to maximize the talent of Jair Alexander and Savage and Douglas and Preston Smith and all these guys. And I want to talk about some of those adjustments more in detail. We started yesterday. I want to continue that discussion next. The defense is better, but Rodgers is the difference, really. In 2016, he had 227 yards per game, 15 touchdowns, and zero interceptions during that six-game stretch where they ran the table. He led the NFL in touchdowns during that stretch of play and was second in EPA per drop back only to the MVP, Matt Ryan. Expected points added, which is breaking down football into the most granular level. Play-by-play, how additive were you? He was second only to Matt Ryan and how additive he was per drop back, which is a lot because people forget in 2016, they also didn't have a running game because they, you know, didn't have a running back on the team. This year during the last four wins, Rodgers hasn't had to do that. He hasn't had to carry 202 yards per game compared to 227, four touchdowns compared to the 15, albeit in two fewer games, and two interceptions to the zero in 2016. Rodgers at this point ranks 14th in EPA per drop back. He's made brilliant plays, and we've seen those plays, but he hasn't been brilliant start to finish in these games. Aaron Rodgers was asked about this yesterday. A lot of comparisons to 2016, the roster, how the team feels, but he was asked yesterday by Matt Schneidman, Are you okay that you're not carrying the offense like you were carrying it in 2016? Do we have Aaron Rodgers? Do we have that audio? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. I'd like to be 15-0. and That that was a fun run. Um, But those are different teams, different players, different mindset, different different scheme. And I just need to be efficient. You know, if I'm efficient and taking care of the football as best I can, making the right checks, uh, I can still impact the game in a positive way. And, 
I, you know, take a lot of pride in that, in the preparation of that, and in the uh, performance of that. But yeah, I mean, of course, I'd love to be, uh, you know, throwing more touchdowns and and uh, you know, scoring more points. You know, I've been playing a lot of League of Legends. I'm back into it after taking a couple of years off. It was never a game I was good at, and I'm still not good at it. And I'm green because I hadn't played for a couple of years. When I play League, I like to pick my spots. You know, I'm not going to try to be the hero because I'm not very good. I'm going to lay in waiting. I'm going to play conservative, and I'm going to pick my spots. And I play with a couple of guys who are pretty good at League. That makes it easier. And I think this is what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Just don't mess up. Don't be a train wreck. Don't turn the ball over. Don't allow your offense to go three and out. Just play within the flow. Run the ball. Hit the easy passes. Let your dynamic wide receivers like Christian Watson catch the easy passes and take them and do the work for you. Kind of just exist in that environment, that simple, efficient environment. And then when you have chances to land hammers, like that throw to Mercedes Lewis, or last week that touchdown to Robert Tunyon, oh, that was beautiful. Take those opportunities when you get them, but don't look for those opportunities when those opportunities aren't there. The Packers have the highest average time of possession of any team in the league over the last three games. Keep that up. Keep possessing the football. Keep driving the football. Keep running the football. Keep doing the easy things. Do the things that the opposing defense is going to let you do. Build momentum. Build energy on offense. Build efficiency. Rack up that time of possession. And then when you have opportunities to really land hammer shots, to really land jabs, do it. Right? But don't try to create big explosive plays in moments and in spots where big explosive plays don't exist. You got to let those things come naturally. And I think that's what Rodgers has done. And I think Aaron Rodgers about the loud music. And I think Aaron Rodgers has room to grow and raise his level of play over the next couple of weeks, but it has to happen naturally. Otherwise, if you force it, it's to the detriment of the offense. All right, I'm going to tweet out a link if you want to keep listening in Madison. Kenyon Halpern coming up next. We're going to talk more Packers coming up in two minutes. This league is not, there's not going to be any easy ones. And I think we've seen that already with other games in the league. And uh, take care of business and move on to next. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So Kenny and Heilprin's getting underway in Madison. So we're no longer on WOZN, which is fine. I think about Ben Kenny in moments like this. I see this breaking news story. So Jim Harbaugh releases a statement earlier today saying he's going to enthusiastically coach Michigan in 2023. He's going to be back. I expect to be there, and I'm going to be there with bells on, right? I'm going to be there with flower. I am amped to be back at Michigan. And then an hour later, The Athletic comes out with a report that Michigan's football program is going to be under NCAA investigation reportedly for minor infractions, but I guess the report is about a lack of response to those minor infractions, so we'll see. It doesn't sound like anything too bad, but you never know. College sports can be a trip. I think of Ben Kenny in moments like this because I've been thinking a lot about Jim Harbaugh, and I see a lot of takes about Jim Harbaugh's future, where he should go, what he should do, and I keep seeing this take, including on Dan Patrick the other morning, when Dan Patrick said, I think Jim Harbaugh should go to the NFL Because I think he's taken Michigan as far as he can take them. I just don't think that's correct. I don't think that's true. I don't think he's maxed out his talent. 
Luke Fickle took Cincinnati as far as he could take them. I do believe that Lincoln Riley took Oklahoma as far as he could take Oklahoma. Maybe if he stays there for 20 years, maybe they punch through and make a national title. But, you know, Lincoln Riley, I think, took Oklahoma basically as far as he could take them. I think Brian Kelly took Notre Dame about as far as he could take Notre Dame. I don't think Jim Harbaugh has maxed out Michigan. Michigan should have beat TCU the other day. Michigan should be in a national title. I don't know how you can witness the events of the last couple of months and think, wow, Jim Harbaugh is is done. He should move on because he's taken Michigan as far as Michigan can go. I I think that's a casual take. I I think that's a lazy take. And I know because I have lots of casual football takes. And I know when when I see one, it takes one to know one. As Jimmy Buffett once said, it takes one to know one. A lot of people have said that, but I just think of Buffett. I don't know. I want Harbaugh to stay at Michigan because I don't think he's done there. I think he can do more, even though casuals would tell you otherwise. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, but we're not talking about Harbaugh. We're talking about the Packers, and we're talking about this Packers team, the way they're constructed, the way they've turned it around after the bye week, and their ceiling moving forward. All of those things relative to 2016. Compare the roster to 2016 when they did something similar to this. Let's compare Aaron Rodgers and how he was playing now compared to 2016. Let's compare the schedule. Let's compare how hot they got. All of these things. Because it really became a topic in Aaron Rodgers' media availability yesterday. Matt Schneidman wrote a piece about it. It's up at The Athletic. I would recommend that you read it if such things interest you. Right? Aaron Rodgers was asked, does it bother you that you can't carry the team? Is it okay with you that you're not carrying this offense like you were in 2016? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to. I'd like to be 15 and zero. That that was a fun run. Um, but those are different teams, different players, different mindset, different uh, different scheme. And I just need to be efficient. You know, if I'm efficient and taking care of the football as best I can, making the right checks, uh, I can still impact the game in a positive way. And and I, you know, take a lot of pride in that and the preparation of that and in the uh, performance of that. But, yeah, I mean, of course, I'd love to be, uh, you know, throwing more touchdowns and, and uh, you know, scoring more points. I think the points will come. I think the touchdowns will come. I was talking before our last break about how Rodgers needs to pick his spots to make big plays, to unload it deep, to do all of these things because the Packers have created a pretty good environment on this team right now. Starting with the defensive changes after the bye week, and I want to talk defense here in a couple of minutes. Starting with the defensive changes, the special teams, the offensive lines got it dialed in, the running games got it dialed in, Christian Watson has gotten healthy. Everything around Aaron Rodgers has elevated from the beginning of the season to now, from the bye week to now. Every part of this team has gone up at least a level. Keyshawn Nixon has taken the special teams up multiple levels. The defense is turning the ball over like nobody's business. They've stepped up multiple levels. This offensive line is now stable and playing well. The running game is now stable and playing well. Everything around Aaron Rodgers has improved. I think Aaron Rodgers should just be fine with that. Exist in that environment. Allow the offense to run its flow. Imagine, like, let the water go where the water's going to go. Right? If the running game is going, run the ball. If the short passing game is going, short pass the ball. Control the ball. Dominate time of possession of the, as they've done the last couple of weeks. And let this defense continue to play off of themselves, build off of the energy of the special teams and the defense. Aaron Rodgers just needs to exist in this environment, in this ecosystem that's kind of been just consistently improving around him. 
And then when you get opportunities to land body blows, to make that big play, to get outside the pocket, and to find Robert Tunyon in the end zone, or to run for first down, then do it. Because I think Rodgers has another gear he can find, and I think Rodgers thinks he has another gear he can find too. I fear that Rodgers is going to go searching for that extra gear rather than that extra gear appearing organically. It's like Narnia. You got to let it happen naturally. You got to let it come to you naturally. You can't go chasing it down because if you go chasing it down and you try to gear up, well, then that's going to affect this nice ecosystem that's been kind of improving and cultivating over the last couple of weeks. Here's Aaron Rodgers similarities between this year and 2016 yeah i mean i think there was you know one similarity we really got it going on offense in those last six games we started a lot faster starting with the first game uh against philly we scored a couple early touchdowns played from the lead we've been doing that a little more consistently in the last uh last few games um but it's just been all three phases like like during that stretch our defense you know, did a nice job of uh, holding the opponent, creating turnovers, you know, a couple games with multiple, multiple turnovers. Then offensively taking care of our, our job and, and scoring points. Rodgers, again, in that run-the-table stretch in 2016, 227 yards per game, 15 touchdowns, no interceptions, compared to now, 202 yards per game, four touchdowns, two fewer games, and two interceptions. So Rodgers has not been Superman, but that makes me feel better because I still think there's a gear that he can find. I still think there's another level, but it's got to happen naturally, right? You can't go You can't go trying to force it. Mm-mm, that's not going to work. Rodgers has to let it happen naturally, and I think that's really when teams fall correctly into place and everything comes together is when it happens naturally. Let's talk a little bit about this Packers defense because I want to take a little bit of a victory lap, just a little bit. I've had this Packers take since week one or week two, and I brought it up about a dozen times this year. It's probably getting annoying. But I keep bringing up Jair Alexander. He's your number one corner. He's your top dog. He's your $20 million a year man. He's him, right? That's the guy. The guy with the confidence, the swagger. He's the leader. He's the guy you use to defend the other team's best player. He's the guy around which you design your entire secondary and your entire game plan on the back end, right? He's all of those things. Joe Barry is traditionally a defensive coordinator that runs a lot of cover one, a lot of cover three, a lot of zones, a lot of passing along of coverages, exchanging of assignments. Those looks are fine. I don't think any particular defensive scheme is better or worse than another. It's about personnel and coaching and execution. But a lot of cover one and a lot of cover three removes a lot of agency from Jair Alexander. Right? You are turning Jair Alexander into a corner who occupies the zone, just like lots of other players on the field who just passes assignments along to the next guy. That's like paying an A-list actor to be an extra on set. It's like, hey, the A-list actor can still be really good. That A-list actor can really succeed in that role, can knock out that, that role of guy in coffee line one. Like, sure, but then why pay the A-list actor to come do it? Why don't you get somebody else? Why are you investing so much in an extra? It's like Daniel Day-Lewis, right? He's a method actor. He's got to sink his teeth into a role. He's got to go all in. He's got to be fully invested. He's got to be about it, right? Number one corners are like method actors. They need to go a little bit nuts to be their best. They need to go all in and be all about it to play their best game because that's how they're wired. That's how number one corners and cornerbacks in general are are, are just wired. That's how they are. 
Yesterday on Slow News Wednesday, we talked a lot about Joe Barry's recent schematic changes, running a lot of uh, cover two and cover six, which I learned today after learning a little bit more. Cover six is called cover six because it combines portions of cover two and cover four. Two plus four is six. Wow, look at us. We are learning. More cover two and more cover six gives a lot more agency to Jair Alexander. You let him play a bigger role. You let him get his hands dirty. You let him be the guy that he is. And on Sunday, Jair did a lot of different things. He did them all very well. But he ran a lot of squat plays or squat looks, meaning he was manned up on Justin Jefferson at the line of scrimmage, and he had corner or have look safeties to his side, meaning he had a safety designated to his side of the field or one safety on the back end designated to his side of the field. He had help behind and over the top. So he can get up there and jam. He can do so fearlessly. He can get up there and be 100% confident, be 100% about it, like a method actor, and know that there's no repercussions. Because if I jam you and you get by me, well, I got help. I got a guy back there, and then I'll move on to my next assignment, right? What a brilliant way to maximize the mindset of Jair Alexander, right? And I think it's helping other guys on this defense as well. Before we get to some of the other guys and some of the other looks that I was learning about today, I want to play you this clip of Jair. I don't know if this is NFL Films or what it was, NFL Network. This is before the guy, uh, before the game. You might have saw this today. I didn't see it until today. I don't think it came out until today. This is Jair pregame on the field hyping everybody up. Listen to what he says specifically. If you had that 18, you get touched all night. He get touched all night, every play. And you know what we turning up to every time we make a play on that board. Every time. We owe him. We owe this team, bro. He's saying every time we're touching number 18, we're going to beat him up. We're going to push him around. We're going to make him feel us. And every time we make a play on him, you celebrate. Every time we beat him, you do something about it. You let him hear it. You dance on him. You talk trash every time. That's what you can get from Jair Alexander when you let him play a style of defense that lets him be all about it, right? Number one corners are like method actors. They need to be all in. And hiring a method actor to be on some crummy sitcom just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not a good fit. It's not ideal for either party. It's not ideal for the show. It's not ideal for the actor. It doesn't make any sense. Number one corners are like method actors. They need to be all in and they need to be a little bit nuts, right? And this defense is so much better for Jair Alexander than what was being run pre-bye week. You let him be aggressive. You let him talk trash. You let him lead the defense and play physical and you let him showcase some of his skills in a way that's not as dangerous or risky as just going straight one-on-one man and having him follow him around the field. They're really unlocking Jair Alexander, and it's about time because you're paying him a bunch of money, and with Rashawn Gary hurt, like you need a star on defense to be a game-changer and a game-breaker. Jair was that last week, and I think this strategy is also helping other members of the defense, right? Joe Barry ran a ton of quarters, on Sunday, which is cover four. There's a million names for everything, but he ran a lot of cover four. We talked about how Joe Barry is, is running a lot of cover six and a lot of cover four, right? That That's what that's what they've been up to. That's what they're doing. That's the changes. Quarter looks, cover four, is a cornerback in man on the line of scrimmage knowing that they have help inside or help behind them, right? So they're going to play outside leverage. Jair's going to get up there bang on Justin Jefferson and know that if Jefferson runs an in-breaking route, he has help. Knowing that if Jefferson goes deep, he has help, right? So the defense is 
communicating. And last week they were communicating, as we heard from Rasul Douglas. He said they were texting all week, talking about assignments, talking about this and that. These guys were amped up, right? And they were exchanging these things well. And I think playing some quarters, playing some cover four gets guys like Darnell Savage involved or Rudy Ford involved. Because what, what have we heard about Darnell Savage? He's been told by coaches, stop trying to make a huge play and just let the game come to you. Just let just just play your role and wait for the game to come to you. What happened on Sunday? The game came to Darnell Savage because they were running a defensive look that had Jair Alexander at the line of scrimmage, pop him. We have inside leverage. The ball comes inside. It's dislodged a little bit. And who's waiting right there, right in the perfect spot, waiting for the game to come to him? It's Darnell Savage. Right, so I give Joe Barry a ton of credit for switching up what he's been doing defensively. Not as much cover three and cover one. Doing more cover two, cover four, cover six, quarters, right? Certain looks that allow his guys to be aggressive, allow them to talk their trash, allow them to be nuts. But there's also schematic fail-safes in that defense because if you have your best corner chasing Justin Jefferson around all day, Jair might make some plays, but he can't do that alone. That's not how football is designed. So I think Joe Barry's found this perfect middle ground of maximizing his guys while also protecting his guys, giving them help, giving them support. I just wish you would have done it a little bit earlier this year, but hey, better late than never. I'd rather have my team playing their best football at the right time and playing their best football into the playoffs. And that's what the Packers are potentially dealing with this week. 608-796-2558 if you want to call or text and talk Packers. Twitter at Wisco Grant will debrief for another 10, 12 minutes or so. And then we'll get to Mike Clemens at 530. Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Mike Clemens in a few minutes, 608-796-2558. If you'd like to call or text, Mike says, has Joe Barry done enough to save his job? Um, this is such an interesting question. I guess, I don't know. If I'm Matt LaFleur, I got to have at least a long conversation after this season. I say, hey, Joe, you, you really found your stride there in the last couple of weeks of the season uh what was going on from say august to december though like what 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 about those months (laughs) you know you know what i mean like there were uh i guess a lot of opportunities for some adjustments to be made faster and again i don't mean to sound like a dumb fan because fans are always saying we'll make some adjustments well the guys are just getting their asses beat out there they're not blocking they're not what do you mean make adjustments the guys aren't playing well or, you know, we were on the short end of a, a rough call or there's injury. You know what I mean? Like, fans always want adjustments. But Joe Barry has shown over the last month that he he drastically changed some things on his defense, and it's worked. So I guess, why did you wait so long? Or what was your thought process? I, I need to get a little bit inform- more or a little more information on why this season was approached the way that it was from Joe Barry, I guess. Th- that's my point, Mike. Did he save his job or not? I don't know. I think Matt LaFleur wants to avoid firing anyone and everyone all of the time. I don't think Matt LaFleur ever wants to fire anyone. I think his goal is that Joe Barry is his defensive coordinator for however long he's a coach of the Packers because I don't think he likes firing people. It's my feeling. We've got a call from Mark, 608-796-2558. What's up, Mark? Hey, so just uh, building on what you were talking about earlier about uh, letting Jair be Jair and, and yeah. being to 
do do what he does best. I yeah. think part of the challenge in the beginning of the season was maybe there was a lot of this, you know, I'm passing this guy off to you and you take care of him. And when it doesn't work yep. or if mistakes are made, they can blame that on the system and say, oh, I don't know, we just, what the hell? Sure. Whereas I think Joe Barry, part of it is he said, all right, you guys own this defense. What do you want to do? Sure. And this is so now it's on you. If you screw this up, man, it's on you, <laughs> but I'm letting you go eat. Yeah. And so they're like, all right, cool. I get to do what I want to do. I get to play. I get to do, and it's all on me, and I'm going to take that responsibility because you know if you're a professional NFL football player, yeah. you have that competitive juice, and you believe yourself to be the best that there is, and you want to go prove it. Well, and I think and it's, it's the easier way, for these players yeah. to wrap their arms around a scheme when they were the ones who were kind of at the center of it, right? Like, they probably feel a lot more invested yeah. now than they did a couple months ago. Yeah, they're taking ownership of it because it's their defense now. It's not Joe Barry telling them, well, you got to do it this way, and trust me, it's going to work. Now it's, okay, this is what you want to do. This is what you're good at. Go do it. And then they can just run with that and really build off of it, and you, you get to see the talent then really kind of very finely recognize, oh, this is their talent. Let's build to that. Yeah. We, so it's kind of – yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of just what I wanted to build off of. I, I, I liked your take, and I thought that, that uh, giving them ownership and letting them have ownership of the defense is probably a part of it as well. Yeah, I think – I don't know. A, a coach's job is to create a system and to create uh, an operation that maximizes your guys, right? Like, that's, that's what you want as a coach. You want to get the most out of your guys. I think he's doing that now. I, I just I, – I, I struggle with why it took so long, right? I don't like stubborn coaches, and I don't like coaches that aren't creative. I, I, as a coach, I want a guy who's always thinking, well, what if I did this? What if I tried this? I wonder if this would work. I wonder if this would make things better. And I don't really get that vibe from Joe Barry, Mark. Yeah, well, it's like it's, a, it's a, bring it into like a cooking analogy. Bill Parcells always said why he wanted to be general manager. If I'm the chef, I should be able to bring in the food I want to bring in to cook. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Barry probably didn't even recognize what ingredients he had early on in the season and what works best. So, he finally figured out the recipe for success. You want to use that weird word? I'm with you, you Mark. I'm with you. But, you know, from one chef to another, Mark, I agree with you. But the thing is, the thing is, you know, to build off of your Parcells yeah. thing is, like, a good chef doesn't always get to choose his ingredients, right? you got to be able to make do if you don't have this ingredient exactly. or you don't have this spice. So that, I, I, I agree with you. I think Joe Barry has struggled a little bit with that. It seemed like he was coaching yeah. and scheming a defense exactly. for personnel that he didn't really have. Which, which is to say, exactly. I he was scheming a defense for worse players. Like that's what's frustrating, dude. You got you got some really good guys at premium right. positions. Be imaginative. Try to find ways. Consider ways to use those guys because it's such a luxury. Maybe that's why he had such struggles the other times he's been defensive coordinator. Is that he didn't recognize <laughs> this is what I have to work with. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. He was coaching so, the defense yeah. like it was the 2008 Lions. He just assumed that none of right. his players were good. That's where he went wrong. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the call. Yeah, take care, man. Yeah, have a good one. That is our friend Mark. 608-796-2558. Uh, we're tweeting about Brewer's statues. So I keep getting <laughs> I keep getting tweets coming through, and I think they're show tweets. But it's people replying to a tweet that I had about the Brewers yesterday. Jeremiah and lacrosse says, God, what I wouldn't do for a Rashawn Gary during this playoff run. Yeah, that always seems to be the case, doesn't it? 
Like the, it was the same in 2010 too, and they didn't have Jermichael Finley or this guy or that guy. Like it's it's frustrating, but that's just the nature of football. There's always going to be one guy who gets hurt, and you're like, man, what what if that guy was there? But then again, this defense has learned to go without Rashawn Gary. They're way better at getting to the quarterback now than they were weeks ago. The second half of the year, they're blitzing way less, and they're getting more way home, or they're getting home way more. You understood what I mean? Let's go back to the phones. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, it's Q. What's up, uh, Q? Hey, Conan, Q. What's going on? Calling in for the first time to your show live. I, I just wanted your listeners to know that you're very humble about your fantastic mustache. Um, <laughs> they can't see it when you're speaking to them through the radio, but I, I just wanted the the listeners in Lacrosse to know that wow. it does exist. Well, I appreciate that. It is uh, uh, second yeah. point. Second point. I I I drank the green and yellow Kool Aid after last week's win, and personally, I can't think of a lot of ways that the Lions could beat us. But I was just wondering if you or Tom had a take on what it would take for the Packers to lose, other than like the Lions' offense just lighting us up or Rodgers throwing three interceptions. Um, I. Well, the way this team is playing right now, the one thing I worry about most is their red zone offense because they stink. And I think they know that they've stunk, and I think they feel it, and they get tight when they get down into the red zone. So I think, man, if they can, in this Lions game, if they can go in the first and second quarter and be effective in the red zone, I think that'll be huge for the way this team thinks and feels because I think that's their one point of frustration right now. They can't punch it in when they get in the red zone. And other than that, basically every part of this game has been clicking. Every part of this team has been clicking. I guess it would be nice to see Rodgers have a really, really good game, too. I think that would go a long ways. But you're asking a way that the Lions could beat him. I mean, running the ball, Jamal Williams and, and DeAndre Swift, that's probably my answer. That would be my fear is if those two just wrecked a game like the Eagles did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I, I think Williams had a big game against us in Detroit. Um, but I, I guess that's on his new home turf and it's indoors. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I can't remember him having, like, like hit the second half of his year after Swift got hurt, it, it seems like that's the best he's played. I can't remember him having that kind of a dominant game when he was in green and yellow. He was unbelievable. Um, his rookie year, he was probably that guy before Aaron Jones really got going. But, yeah, he's really embraced Detroit, and I think that's pretty cool. I think that's partly what Dan Campbell is there to do. He's there to kind of rebuild the brand of the Lions and find guys who are all about it and excited to play for the Lions. And he found that guy, I think, in Jamal Williams. Yeah, I mean, and that really rang true on HBO this summer. Um, Like, he was kind of the star of that show. And Packers fans knew that was going to be the case. We could see that coming a million miles away. Oh, definitely. I I feel like, I I mean, I would not have paid what they did. Um, But I I think from the locker room perspective, He's sorely missed still. Yeah. Um, but at least, I don't know. I, I drank the Kool-Aid last week, like I said, when I was at Lambeau, um, watching the Packers kick the crap out of the Vikings, and hopefully we can keep riding high. And like you said, if Aaron can turn it on this yeah. week and start looking like um, the MVP that he did the last couple years with that new haircut, yeah. Uh, who knows what could happen? We could catch lightning in a bottle again like we did in 2010. Hell yeah. So, great show, Grant. 
Yeah. Um, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks for the call. Call back anytime. That's our guy Q. He's in Milwaukee. Let's take a break because we got to get to Mike Clemens. A text from Pete and Chippewa. He says this team got better after Dean Lowry got hurt. Yeah. Uh, um, addition by subtraction. We finally got rid of that Dean Lowry bag of balls. All right. I think we're hearing from Mike Clemens coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, Hamlin's showing some signs of improvement, some consciousness. Has that gotten around your meetings or locker room yet? I have not heard anybody talk about it. I just saw that report uh, myself, and but I, I think that should um, make everybody feel a, a little at ease. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's still a ways to go, but... That's definitely any any positive news is a good thing, obviously. That's Matt LaFleur and our guy Mike Clements talking about some very good news today. DeMar Hamlin is doing better. I don't know. It was pretty scary on Monday night. CPR does not commonly work. There's not a lot of people who die and then are brought back to life, which is what happens, right? When you give someone CPR and you restart their heart, they are dead and you bring them back. Uh, and the actions of all the folks there on Monday night, crucial to getting him somewhere where he could receive medical treatment. And now it seems like he's on the mend. Mike Clemens is here. Mike, I know everyone felt this in the NFL. Everyone who works in the NFL, everyone who plays in the NFL. Rogers did a really good job talking about it on the McAfee show. I think this is a very uniting incident for everyone in football. This kind of brought people together in obviously a scary way, but it brought people together nonetheless. It's- um, brought players and coaches together, uh, but uh, I think a kind of a union guy like Rogers, though, has got some problems with who in the hell in the front office said, "Hey, you know, just give him another five minutes to warm up after the players been evacuated from the field, and uh, let's play ball again." Zach, I tell you what, it did, Joe, is great leadership by two coaches. Yeah, Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills. And Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, who talked about after DeMar Hamlin was uh, taken away uh, in the ambulance to the Cincinnati hospital, uh, what happened next? So then when the the, uh, ambulance starts to pull away is really the first moment anyone gets to even think about anything. And and in that moment... um, you know, it came together with Sean McDermott and the officials kind of led the way there. And, and it was determined, you know, just to just to take a few moments as teams to, to just process what had happened and separate and go to our sidelines. We separated as teams. Uh, the officials, again, did a great job of coming over to me and saying, hey, um, you know, they're, they're still trying to process this moment here. Uh, Coach McDermott and their team. And so the decision was made just to go over there and, and make sure we're all, you know, talking together. And, and I won't disclose um, any of the private conversations Sean and I had except for this. When I got over there, uh, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital tomorrow, and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And so that, to me, provides all the clarity because there, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation because that's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, he really uh, showed who he was, that, that all his focus was just on Damar and being there for him, being there for his family at the hospital, and and at that point, um, I think everybody everything trended in the, in the direction it needed to trend, and the right decisions were made there. But um, again, just just uh, the way that I, I really felt Sean McDermott led in that moment for his players. He was there for his players. He, he processed the right way, which was incredibly difficult. And 
and really helped us get to the the solution that we needed to get to. So, Mike, I don't I don't really put a whole lot of stock into the five minute rule. I think that was something written down in some protocol somewhere. A protocol that is obviously designed for situations much less serious than this one. And that was the stock thing that Joe Buck got handed. I don't think the NFL had any intentions once it was realized how serious this was. I don't think the NFL had any intentions of restarting this game. I'm actually really impressed at how quickly league professionals and professionals for both teams came together and and reacted to this thing and really saved someone's life. Like, I I don't know. Everyone was really mad at the NFL and a lot of parties involved on Monday night. I, I kind of view this the opposite way. I think this was handled so well, especially by the coaches. The only other time an NFL player has died during a game, I guess in 100 years, is 1971, October, Tiger Stadium, ironically with the same team you're going to play Sunday night, Detroit Lions, against the Chicago Bears. Dick Buckus is out there roaming around, the you know legendary Bears linebacker, and a wide receiver named Chuck Hughes suddenly collapsed in the 16-yard line with nobody around him, no contact. Turns out he's a 28-year-old man who had a blood clot in his heart pre-existing condition it could have happened to him on the team bus yeah and after that incident the nfl said no more uh, anytime at any nfl stadium it's required that there be an ambulance on hand mm-hmm. and those ambulances are probably saved more lives of fans than they've done to really help a, a player by the way interesting thing happened today yeah uh, emt is dispatched to the hudson center and a, uh, a practice squad player was taken away with a hip and leg injury. But that means that the, the players had to actually watch an ambulance pull up and take away a player. They have not said who it is. It's a 26-year-old player because that's what I heard over the uh, police dispatch, according to a news source of mine. Uh, so, and you can look up the practice squad. There's three players that were 26 years old yeah. that, that were out there today. And, you know, but we'll wait for more from the team. Uh, anyway, getting back to the timeline on Monday night, Aaron Rodgers, like millions, is sitting at home and watching this. And then Joe Buck and the producers of ESPN, they go to break. And as you know, as a broadcaster, now you're calling the league and saying, what's happening? Yeah. Okay, what's going to happen next? After they, they get this player off the field, are we going back to the What do you want us to do? Yeah. And some lieutenant from New York said, well, according to the book here, it says, you know, after the – the player's been taken off the field with his neck injury or whatever. Yeah. The teams have five minutes to warm up, and we, we resume the game. It's it's the NFL. We play, and unless it's lightning, we, you know, we play. Yep. We play. Yep. And so that's what Joe Buck said on the air, and Aaron Rodgers. I, I talked to Rodgers about some of these stories, and he said that, you know, he's been in constant contact with Josh Allen because I think he wants to know what the players were told. I texted with Josh. Uh, so checking on him makes me feel better. I don't. I haven't seen any new updates. So until there's like a positive update, I think we're all. Um, you know, I mean, personally, I'm still a little shook up by it. Well, okay. One more thing. Fifty years ago, a Lions player who actually had heart problems collapsed and died, and as a result of that, they started having ambulances at the stadiums, which probably has helped out fans. And you got to also think that those EMTs they saved his life. Yes, of course. Uh, whoever said five minutes should have their job evaluated, I think. Um, look, I think from the negotiations that happened a few years ago, it's pretty evident that the, that the league talks about player safety, but uh, they added an extra game that was all about 
money. It had nothing to do with player safety. Now, there were a few things added in for former players, but um, this was a black eye for the league. And I uh, got to do better next time. I just, I just don't agree. Like, I don't, I don't play in the league, Mike. He's a lot closer to this. I, I, that's a freak accident, right? And EMTs and everybody who was right there, ready to assist him, literally saved his life and saved precious time, which when blood and oxygen is cut off from the brain, right, that's how when somebody wakes up, ideally after their body and their heart has been restarted, you don't have brain damage. You don't have cognitive damage. And it sounds like that DeMar Hamlin does not have damage. So what happened on the field was, I actually think, a huge moment for the league and how they handled a freak accident, which, let's face it, in a game this violent, at some point, something like this was probably bound to happen, as dark as that sounds. I, and I don't know. I, I heard other people bring up the, the 17th game. I don't think that has anything to do with this. And I don't think the five-minute thing was ever legit. I think somebody read that from somewhere not understanding the circumstances i I don't know i'll defend i i I, like i'm not blindly defending the league i'm not a show for the nfl but i will defend what went down on monday night because i think people are looking for people to complain about and and things to complain about and i I don't know i think that's a little revisionist what rogers was saying grant troy vincent the former wisconsin badger nfl receiver is the director of football operations for the league and i got to sit on the teleconference with him, he got, actually got very emotional, but he made it clear as this was going down, everybody, you know, from the front office at, in New York on Park Avenue was on the phone. And you've got the commissioner, Roger Goodell, yep. getting feedback from Zach Taylor, Sean McDermott, you know, a team at GMs, uh, the referees, uh, operations that, you know, the commissioner was all over this and directing it and, and also talking about a plan to evacuate fans from the stadium. You know, you have to think, think, think about that, too. You're changing traffic patterns. You know, the, the sheriff's deputies are out for another three quarters, right? This happened in the first quarter. So so that's what we learned from that. I'll skip ahead here. Um, we just talked to Adam Stanovich a little bit. And one of the things that Roger said yesterday that I agree with Remember when I got back from the game from Chicago and I said, Grant, fourth quarter, I saw something happen. Mm-hmm. It was like a, somebody flipped a switch because, you know, the the Bears were up 19 to 10, and you're getting into the fourth quarter like, oh, my God, are we going to lose the Justin Fields and the Bears? Yeah. And then the Packers scored, and they scored on two creative plays by Adam Stenovich, the offensive coordinator. One was uh, A.J. Dillon and a sweep to the left which they used Christian Watson on a fake jet sweep. Then they came back and they went to Christian Watson and he took the ball on a jet sweep. And they, you know, got two touchdowns out of basically the same play, the same pre-snap motion. And so uh, I asked Stanovich this afternoon, you know, did something, to, to me, as I told you, something changed. I mean, so suddenly the defensive players started flying around. And after giving up two long ones, Jair Alexander gets a pick. Mm-hmm. And on special teams, they start making a return. And so I asked Adam Senovich, has that been a turning point for the season? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've been saying it to the players all year. Stick with it. You know, just trying to keep everyone together, keep everyone believing. Because um, you, you could see the potential in what we had. And just things weren't working out for a lot of different reasons. And so when you have a moment like that, a comeback in a a special game like the Packers-Bears game, 
And, you know, defense makes plays, offense makes plays, um, special teams makes plays. We had a block kick in that game. Just all kinds of things that where you're like, okay, we're playing together. And then we were able to keep that momentum going um, and be where we're at right now. So, yeah, that I think that's a huge point in the season, obviously. We're talking with Mike Clemens on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Mike, I, I think sometimes we forget how long an NFL season is because it's shorter than NBA, shorter than MLB, and, and it seems like it's this mad dash to the finish, but there is plenty of time within an NFL regular season to work out kinks and to develop and to adjust, and it's crazy to think how much has changed since the Giants game or the first Detroit game, and, and Adam Stenovich, I think, put it well. He's like, guys, just stick with it. We have time. We got more games. It'll come around, and look, it did. And he's dealing with, you know, rookie receivers. Yep. And Christian Watson finally coming on, you know, the start of the or in the middle of the third quarter of the season as well. On the other side of the ball, how about that defense up up against a decent quarterback finally and four year challenge, you know, in Kirk Cousins yeah. and all of his weapons on offense and holding Delvin Cook to under forty yards and and so Joe Barry was asked about you know, how his defense now is finally clicking. When morale is high, good things happen. And, you know, specifically defensively, when uh, when you're taking the ball away at a, at a positive clip, you know, it's it builds instant morale. And um, I think to allude what you're saying is that it's, it's, it's not only one guy or, or you know, one room. Um, everyone's getting involved in the, in the takeaway party. One takeaway always seems to lead to another, right? It's like home runs. They, they seem to come in bunches. And I don't know how we quantify that, but if you talk to NFL players and coaches, they'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, once you win one game, it's easier to win the next. Once you get one turnover, it's easier to get the next turnover. And you see this, for, you know, uh, firsthand, Mike, when you're at these games. Yeah, now, you know, the, this takeaways or turnovers come in bunches almost gets to be cliche. Mm-hmm. I think, though, what it means is this. And there's no, no question about it. When your offense is up by two scores, you can start taking chances on defense. Yeah, You can go with a corner blitz, a safety blitz, because if the quarterback picks it up and hits you deep and gets seven out of it, okay, well, you know, I st- the scoreboard still got me a, you know, a, a two-score buffer. So when your offense has not been taking the lead in these games, you know, the defense has had to carry them through a lot of this. But so... And, you know, Joe Barry, see, that's typical Joe Barry. What do you call it? The takeaway party, right? Yeah. He just called it the takeaway party there. Uh, Here's another one he said today that kind of makes you go, uh, because he was talking about how how much of an improvement they made on those two speedy receivers, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, uh, in the second half in their win over the Dolphins. And here's what he said this afternoon. They got those, you know, two cheetahs at, at wideout that, you know, you had to be pretty specific and pretty calculated with what you did. Yeah, Joe Barry can really uh, spin a turn of phrase, can he? He's a poet. He's a poet, Mike. You know, I mean, that's, that's just it. You know, I mean, don't you think these guys got to be rolling their eyes like, man, what did he call Tyreek? And, and, then, and then Jair Alexander, you know, who is emerges from 30 years ago, like a Deion Sanders, you know, a primetime guy with the big hat mm-hmm. after the win over the Vikings and, you know, and, and saying, hey, you know, Justin Jefferson, week one, that was a fluke. That was a fluke, man. And Joe said, uh, yeah, you know, I heard that he said that. 
and the PR people, man, they, they overheard that press conference all wrapped around the locker, and they already ran to Joe Barry and said, uh-oh, you may get some questions about us because Jair just called, you know, the Vikings beating you 23-7 yeah. to 7, a fluke, right? So this afternoon, someone was asked about how Jair has continued to emerge as sort of a star in the NFL. He's, he's colorful, and he's, he's uh, um, a funny guy, but I tell you what, as a competitor... I mean, he is. I'd, I'd, I'd go down a dark alley with with Jair Alexander any day. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess, sir, it's better oh, than I let him marry my daughter. That's the least favorite thing that I hear coaches say. It's oh, perfect reference to the Lions. Oh, oh yeah. you got to tell that story. You got to tell funny. that story. Oh, the Rob Parker comment. Do you wish your what was it? Do you wish your daughter had married a better defensive coordinator? Rod Marinelli. Rod Marinelli, you know, who oh. was a longtime defensive coordinator. He gets the head coaching job. It's the year they're going 0-6. And, and his defensive coordinator, when they're 0-16, rather, 0-16, yeah. is your Joe Barry. Well, Joe Barry happened to have married Rod's daughter. And this reporter from the Detroit Free Press said, don't you wish that your daughter had married a better defensive coordinator? I wish she had, too. <laughs> He walked. He walked out of the press conference, and they yanked that guy's credential. He was kicked out for the rest of the season. Oh come on, that's funny. Lost his job. That's good, yeah. clean fun. That's what I say. Well, Mike, do you think the Packers are going to win this weekend? I got about thirty seconds. I do. Uh, look out for number fifty-nine, Houston. James Houston coming off on the edge. Uh, he's a rookie, but the switch went on with him in about October. He's now got eight sacks, and that's one more guy that they've got to scheme up with for, for pass protection for Aaron Rodgers, again, with the number one pick with Hutchinson on the other side. And I got you, Mike. Enjoy the weekend, and hopefully we're talking about a playoff appearance next week. You're you're a cheetah, man. You're a cheetah. I'd, I would go down a dark alley with you anytime. Mike, I'd go, I'd go down all the dark alleys with you. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, see you, Mike. That's Mike Clemens. He's on Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. Of course Joe Barry said that. Why wouldn't Joe Barry say that? Of course he did. Why not? He's, he's colorful, and he's he's uh, um, a funny guy. But I tell you what, as a competitor, I mean, he is, I'd, I'd, I'd go down a dark alley with, with Jair Alexander any day. All right. Wisco Sports Show, back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Kenny and Heilprin going on right now on the zone. They're at Monks in Sun Prairie. Ben Kenny retweeted this. Pete Thamel, Nicholas Flamel, Pete Thamel, Sorcerer's Stone reference, Harry Potter crowd. What's up? He says Rutgers is targeting Kirk Chiaroka. Is that how you say that? To be the school's new offensive coordinator. So Purdue has poached a Minnesota assistant. Luke Fickle has poached a Minnesota assistant. And now Rutgers? Let me ask that one more time. Rutgers? PJ Flack. Come on, PJ. Can't even retain assistance? What's going on up there? Dude, we axed it. Go F yourself. Like, sorry. Not to be crude, but go go jump in a lake. You bald bastard. 
All right, tomorrow. What should we talk about tomorrow? We'll preview Packers-Lions, of course. Should we hit up Rob Reichel? Who, who can we get on? Should we hit up Zach Heilprin? I'll be in studio in Madison tomorrow. There's no way Zach wants to come say hi to me, right? No chance. We can't get him. We can't get him in studio. Hmm. I guess we don't know if we don't ask. I'll text Zach tonight. Maybe he'll join us. It'll be nice. Talk a little college football. Talk a little Packers. I think we should talk to Zach tomorrow. Let's do it. I don't know why I'm running this by you. It's my job to figure it out. Enjoy tonight. No Thursday night football. Maybe watch a little NBA, a little college basketball. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.